Listen, it's good to be here uh, gathered with God's people worshiping Jesus Christ. I want to get right to work. So if you guys can grab your Bibles or your devices or whatever contains the word of God for you and meet me in John chapter 12. <clears throat> John chapter 12. Hey, listen, let me give you guys a quick update on uh, on Ty. Uh, some of you know and some of you may not know. Uh, Ty, my wife, has uh, pretty much been on bed rest for the last few weeks. A couple of weeks ago, I laid before you a prayer request and asked you guys to pray for her. Is um, she herniated a disc that was in her back, uh, and the, the the disc literally was sitting on her nerve. And so the the doctor went in and he he saw the MRI and he saw the uh, the CAT scan and realized he needed to do surgery pretty quickly. And this about two weeks ago, he did the surgery, and we had a follow up appointment this past Monday. Normal follow-up appointment, you know, thinking she's recovering, and uh, she, she did notice that she was a little bit weaker, and she didn't know how to, like, just bounce right back, and so, which we thought was still normal, and we got back to the hospital on, uh, on Monday and found out that the doctor looked at the x-ray and the CAT scan again and realized uh, that the disc was still herniated. And so uh, he asked us, uh, would we be okay with him going back in to redo the surgery? And so on Monday, she had to go through surgery again. It was actually a, a really expedited surgery. They, I mean, they got it together. You know, there's a lot of prep work in getting, they put her right in and, uh, and, and fixed her up. And so she's feeling better. She's moving around a little bit more. In fact, this morning when I left her, she literally was doing exercises next to the bed. And so I'm like, chill out a little bit. She's trying to come to church, and I was like, relax a little bit. And so she's feeling better, but pray for her. Uh, she, she did want me to tell you guys to specifically pray for the mobility in her leg. Uh, because it was sitting on the nerve for so long, she, she lost some of the mobility in her foot. Uh, the doctors are optimistic that she can regain the mobility, but for now she does not have uh, full mobility. So be praying for her, uh, praying for her emotionally as well. Uh, you know, when you think that you already had the surgery and then you're starting back over with the recovery process. Emotionally, that can be a lot. Uh, but she's doing well, and thank you guys for, for your support. You guys have honestly been supportive with your prayers. And every day I'm looking up, and there's another meal coming in the house. And uh, I'm just, I'm really grateful. You know, a lot of times as a pastor, I'm on the other end of that, kind of overseeing and making sure that the body is being taken care of. I've never been on the side where we would need to be uh, the recipients of that that great blessing of, of, that you guys provide. So thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, and be praying for. All right, uh, back in Spread Love Sermon Series. This is our last Sunday in this campaign series. Not our last Sunday with the campaign, but our last Sunday teaching on generosity and stewardship. And I don't know about you, but the last four weeks have been very convicting for me. Uh, I think I had a perception of what giving looked like that was anti-scripture. And even some of my experiences in church uh, on what giving looks like, not that I went to churches that abused the giving, I just had a, a distorted view of what generosity and giving towards God looked like. And so the last four weeks have been convicting to me, but I'm excited that we get to lay some work, some ground, uh, some foundation and ground here on what generosity is. Why don't you pick me up in verse 1, John 12. Give me a little bit more in the monitors, guys. John chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, uh, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. 
Martha served and Lazarus, Lazarus was one who was reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took an, a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Y'all know he trifling for that. <laughs> Verse 7. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. I want to preach from the topic today entitled Honoring Jesus, or really how to honor Jesus. How to honor Jesus. Let us look to the Lord before we dig in. Father, each week we come before you uh, in desperate need of you to speak to our church, speak to us through your word. Uh, we thank you, O oh God, that we don't have to guess what you're saying. We can look into your word and really get the breathed word of God. And so, Lord, would you, would, you, would you get at us today? Many of us, as I said in the beginning, do have faulty understandings of generosity and giving. Some of us have been hurt, like genuinely been hurt by the church and how the church handles resources. And, Lord, I, I pray that you would uh, correct us today on, on what we think and what we feel and Lord, I pray that you would bring us to a good place of understanding when it comes to generosity. Be with us today. May Christ be glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Let everybody say amen. amen. How to honor Jesus. Uh, there, there was a farmer in Iowa that, this is a true story too, a farmer in Iowa that every year he would enter his crops, particularly corn, into a corn competition in the state fair. Every year in Iowa he would do this. And every year he would win the competition. He had the best corn. He grew the best corn in Iowa every single year. And so reporters, a local newspaper reporter, wanted to figure out what was his secret? How in the world were you able year after year to be able to create this, this great corn? What was his secret? So they went to interview him. And when they interviewed him, they found out what his secret was. He said, well, this is what I do. Every year when my crop is grown, I take the best seeds and I give them to my neighbors. And baffled by this response, the reporter is like, you give the seeds to your neighbors who are in the same competition with you? Why would you do such a thing? And then he began to explain, well, let me explain how this works. When the wind picks up the pollen from the neighboring, uh, from, from, from the neighbors, it picks up the pollen and it brings it to my field if, if the crops next door to me are inferior to my crops, it will, after a while, start to damage the quality of my corn. So what I have to do is I have to give out the best of my corn to my neighbors so that when the wind blows, it brings over a good pollen so that my crops will continue to grow uh, in a good manner. The lesson can be found here, that if you want to grow good corn, you have to share the corn that you already have. Now, now, in the text today, we're going to be introduced to this idea of generosity, of honoring Jesus through generosity. But the generosity here is not with Mary giving the best of her corn. The generosity in the text is that she's giving an expensive oil called nard. Now, this passage can be, this story can be found in at least two other places in the synoptic gospels. It's in Matthew chapter 26, 
You can also look in Mark chapter 14 and find the same exact story. The reason that I'm lifting this up, that it's consistent without the synoptic gospels, is because I need you to understand that we need to interact with all of them in order to get a completed picture. But what do I mean by that? Bible reading 101, if you're reading a passage that's in another passage, you got to read both or multiple ones in order to get a completed picture. When I was doing my undergraduate work uh, at Karen University right outside of Philadelphia, uh, I was taking this class on the four portraits of Jesus. It was talking about the consistency within Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the professor wanted to give an example of how the synoptic gospels worked in concert. So he had a girl walk into the room for 20 or 30 seconds and then had her walk right back out. And when she walked walked right back out, he said, this is what I need you to do. Tell me what you saw. And so somebody said, hey, she had on a blue scarf. Somebody else said she has a, a purple purse. Somebody else said she has on black boots. Now, here's what happened. When you got all of us in the room talking about different aspects of what she had on, you got a completed picture. None of us contradicted each other. Nobody said our scarf was pink. No, it was blue. We all were in concert. We just didn't pick up the total picture. And what you see in the synoptic gospels is a completed picture. So in this passage, we have to interact because there there are some things that John leaves out that the other gospels pick up. Now, what you're going to see in this passage is different ways to honor Jesus. You do not just honor Jesus with your generosity. There's other ways we can honor Jesus. Jesus. In fact, the first way to honor him can be found in verses one and two. The first way you honor Jesus is by honoring him in your home. Look at verse one. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one who was reclining at table. The question I have when I read this is, where was the dinner at? Whose house was this dinner at? But again, if you read the other Gospels, we'll find out where the, where, what house they're in. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 6, it tells us that they're in the house of Simon the leper. Now, we don't know this is probably somebody that Jesus healed from leprosy, and he was so moved by his encounter with Jesus that he became hospitable and invited Jesus to his house. This house can be filled with friends, and family members. In fact, there's three, th- three siblings mentioned in the text. Martha, Mary, Lazarus, they're all siblings. So this is a place where Jesus could escape the, the harsh nature of ministry and get to a house that he could rest. Okay, here's the question I have. As we're understanding Jesus being welcome in this house, is he welcome in your house? Consider your house. Is Jesus welcome to roam free in your house? Is Jesus welcome to watch the last show that you watched on Netflix? Is Jesus welcome to look at you what you're scrolling on the Internet with? Is Jesus welcome to slide in your DMs? Is he welcome to look at your text messages? Is Jesus, husbands, is Jesus welcome to watch how you treat your wife? Wives, is Jesus welcome to watch how you honor and respect your husband, is Jesus welcome in your house? Because when I read the text, there is a house that Jesus is welcome in. And even though Jesus physically may not show up, some of y'all deep, so maybe he just show up right at your house. He don't do me like that. <laughs> but, but even though he physically doesn't show up, he's always an unseen guest at your house. Is he welcome? Is he honored at your house? Or are you embarrassed and ashamed? Because here's what I found out. Most of us in this room, have a public us 
and we have a private us. And we see, that's the thing. And most of the people that live in your house know the contradiction between the public you and the private you. Most of the people in your house, those closest to you, know those contradictions. And husbands and wives, we can see the things that we say and the things, because here, it's easy to fool us. Like, you got us fooled. You look spiritual. You look deep. You look like you in your word. But let's be honest. When Jesus goes home with you, what does he see? So in the text here, we have, we have someone inviting Jesus in the house. And Jesus being invited to your house, he's more than a guest. Jesus has to be Lord of your house, which means if he's Lord of your house, there's no place off limits to him. There's no room that he can't go into. There's no, there's no cupboard he can't open. There's no drawer he shouldn't be able to open. Earlier this week when we went to the hospital for our normal follow-up visit, we didn't expect to hear the news that she was going back in surgery in a few hours. And so I didn't pack a bag. So I, 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 you know, I, don't, I just don't let my boo stay at the hospital by herself. And so I said, I'm staying the night here too. So they did surgery. I stayed the night there. I'm going to be honest with you. Woke up, didn't have no toothbrush, didn't have no toothpaste, had the same clothes on. So I called my mother-in-law. I said, listen, you, you have to do me a favor. You have to go in my room and pack me a bag before you come to the hospital. And so she goes in my room. She says, what do you want me to get? I said, you got to go in my closet. Now, you got to understand, my, my room is just, it's an intimate place. It's, it's a place that everybody just doesn't have access to. And so my mother-in-law is now digging through my drawers in the, in the closet. She's now going, and I said, you got to go into the bathroom and open up the, the, the top drawer. Don't open the bottom, because I got some of my personal stuff. <laughs> open the top drawer, and, and she's opening up the drawers. And, and in my mind, the whole time, I'm like, Lord, I hope in the closet she doesn't see this, and in the, in the bathroom, in the medicine cabinet, don't see this. Why? I need a married person to say amen in here. <laughs> just, just saying. Married for 16 years. And so, so you, you have to understand, there was places that's off limit to, to my mother-in-law, but you can't treat Jesus as I treat my mother-in-law. There should be no, at no place that he doesn't have full access, full reign over. So here is the question, is he a welcome guest at your house? Is he Lord and master of your house? Here's the first way you honor Jesus. You honor him in your home. Second way you honor Jesus is you honor him with your heart. Look at the text. Verse 2 and 3 shows us that there's at least three different ways to honor him with your heart. Look at verse 2. It says, so they gave him a dinner there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. It says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. I don't know if you've picked this up, but we got three different names in two verses. You got Martha... You got Lazarus and you got Mary. And one of the things I found out when I was studying scripture earlier this week is that all three of them are honoring Jesus. They're just all doing it in different ways. And one way isn't right and one way isn't wrong. It's just we get to see three different dispositions of the heart on how to honor Jesus. And my hope and prayer is that we would strive to do all three. Here's the first way. Martha, the Bible says, is serving. If you notice, if you read scripture, she has a reputation of serving. Anytime, like, by the way, she's serving in Simon the leper's house. It's not even like she's serving Jesus in her own house. She's serving in someone else's house. She just has the gift of hospitality, a lot like Miss Carol. You ever see Miss Carol running around here cleaning up? And, like, honest to God, she'd be looking at spots. I'd be like, it ain't even dirty. 
She'd be like cleaning little spots. Tasha told me one time she was in here cleaning every single chair in the, in the room, and she got in between the silver. I'm like, it's just too much. I would have been like, that's why she got the gift of hospitality. And, and so what you see with Martha is Martha is always serving. And sometimes she serves to the point where Luke would say she's distracted and anxious. But nevertheless, nevertheless, for her, it was a valid expression of her love for Jesus. She wanted to show Jesus how much she loved him by serving him. Maybe she's cooking. Maybe she's bringing the food. Maybe she's going to Jesus and saying, what else do you need? Because he's the highlighted guest in this house. What else do you need? But Lazarus is in the house too. And Lazarus, Lazarus is doing something different than Martha. Martha's serving, Lazarus is chilling. Do you see the text? The Bible literally says that he's reclining at table, but notice he's not doing it by himself. He's reclining with him, Jesus, at the table. So it's, it, you know, one of the things it, that, that we have to be careful of when we read texts like this, it's easy for us to push negativity in the text. It's easy for us to say that Lazarus is lazy because Martha's serving and he's not. That would be a mistake. What Lazarus is doing is honoring Jesus almost similarly. He's not serving. He's honoring Jesus by being in his presence. He's honoring Jesus by spending time with him. He's listening to Jesus disciple. He's listening to Jesus talk. Like, I'm sure they talked about, I can't prove this, but if you go back one chapter to John chapter 11, look at the beginning part of John chapter 11. Jesus just raised him from the dead. I know Lazarus sitting there like, geez, you're a wild boy. You're like, you just going to raise me up like that. You know, I'm sitting here eating at the table. I was dead a couple weeks ago. And I'm just outraged. Like, can you imagine the comment? Like, Martha probably bringing Peter Bray. Like, yo, you see Jesus fist bumping her. Like, Jesus is killing this in last chapter. But, but, but notice here. Lazarus is literally reclining with him, with Jesus, at the table, and he's hearing Jesus talk, and he's spending time with him. And many of you, you need to move from just being Martha and serving Jesus to actually spending time with Jesus. Because some of y'all are great employees of Jesus, but are you servants of him? Are you worshiping him? So in the text, Martha's like, man, what can I give to you? But that's an expression of honor. And Lazarus is like, no, I'm going to chill with you. That's an expression of honor. Some of you, that's the busiest thing you can do this week is slow down and spend time with Jesus. So what we see here is Lazarus is chilling. Martha is serving. But there's one more person in the text. The Bible talks about, verse 3, Mary is there. But Mary wanted to show her demonstration of devotion to the Lord in a more dramatic way. Look at what verse 3 says about Mary. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Mary chooses, I love this, as we're talking about Commitment Sunday, Mary chooses to honor Jesus by sacrificially giving to him. Don't miss this. Martha's serving, Lazarus is chilling, but Mary is giving to Jesus. And she's not just giving anything. Did you read it? An expensive, it's an expensive perfume. Like pure nard is literally, it's made from a root that probably was imported from Nepal. So it's not like you can just go down to the marketplace and pick up some of this pure, expensive nard that she has. This is very expensive. In fact, if you keep going in verse number five, 
Judas is going to tell us how expensive it is. He says, why was this not sold for 300 denarii? Judas literally thought he could get 300. Do you know how much a denarius is? A den- one denarius is, is one day's wage. And if you consider, like Auntie Anita Baker said, it's 365 days of the year. <laughs> consider 365 days. Consider that one day's wage is one denarius. Like 300 denarius is like almost a year's worth of wages. And so I, I did the math. This is close to forty to $50,000 in one bottle of perfume. And she takes it, which many commentators said this would have been the most valuable possession that she had. But she deemed that Jesus was worthy of her most prized possession. Can I go deeper? Notice in, in chapter 11, when Lazarus dies, by the way, I told you, Lazarus and Mary are siblings. Now notice, now this oil, this ointment literally is supposed to be used for the embalming process when someone dies. For, for example, Jesus later on is going to say, don't bother her because she needs the rest of that for my burial. Wait, but your brother just died in chapter 11 and she doesn't pull out the oil. Why didn't she pull out the oil? Because she doesn't deem him as worthy of the oil like she deems Jesus is. I know, I know Lazarus was like, yo, Mary, you know I died last chapter, right? <laughs> now you want to pull out the oil and put it on Jesus' feet. But I died already and you ain't pull it out for me. But what, what, what we see here is she... Her giving reflected how much she honored Jesus. Does your giving reflect how much you honor Jesus? If you look in your bank account, can your bank account testify that Jesus is worthy of your most prized possession? We go through life and we hoard things and we stock up on things as though this is home. Y'all know this ain't home, right? Our citizenship is in heaven. We're passing through this thing. But yet we, we it, it's almost like, you know, when I go to the airport, it's almost like, you know, you never see a shopping cart in the airport. You never see someone going to the little markets and, and, you know, stocking up. Why? Because they're passing through. And that's what you're doing on this earth. You are passing through. But why do we hoard God's resources? Why not be generous? Why not be like Mary? Let's give what God has given to us. And so what we see here. Is she's being generous because she knows that Jesus is worthy of her generosity. Here's a fact. You can check it. Not just in this local church, but most churches, 20% of those that give usually handle the budgeting needs for the rest of the church. Only 20%. What happened to the other 80? Like, I'm so serious when I say this. Where are the other 80 at? Why are we not all in here like I'm so moved by the fact that Jesus would die for me. I'm not, I'm not giving because I'm scared that I'm going to be cursed with a curse. The devil is a liar. Cursed is he who hung on a tree. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I can't be cursed. So I give based on generosity that God has given his best to me. And Jesus Christ has given his life for me. Therefore, I'm going to give. This is what's moving her. What's moving her is the fact that she knows that Jesus is about to die for her sins. She says, where's that expensive nard, that expensive ointment? Now, she's not just generous. Don't miss this. She's also selfless and very humbling in how she does this. The Bible says that she doesn't just take the oil and pour it on Jesus' feet and be like, there you go, Jesus. The Bible says she gets on her knees and wipes her, his feet with her hair. Like, notice the, the position that she's in would have been met with cultural resistance. 
because the position she's in is one of a disciple. And they did not, rabbis didn't permit women to be their disciples in ancient time. And so she's at, just like I want you to study Martha's, uh, her, her, her disposition of always serving, study Mary. Because Mary, anytime she's mentioned, is always at the feet of Jesus. She's, all, she's at a place where she's listening and worshiping Jesus. And, and that's a good place for us to be, at the feet of Jesus Christ. And, and so what she's met with is cultural resistance, but she's also met with resistance from one of the disciples, Judas. Judas is like, why are you doing that? We could do something else with that. And listen to me, this Spread Love campaign, when you tell your family and friends, I'm sure everyone is going to be overwhelmed and accepting of what you're saying. They're going to be like, why are you giving to the church? Don't give to the church. The church has a history of robbing you. The pastor just wants the money. Listen, I don't want your money. I'm just going to be honest with you. There was a girl that came up to me a couple weeks ago and said, Pastor, I forgot to put my offering in. I'm like, I don't even want to take that. Give that to Gabe. Give that to Tasha. Give that to somebody else. Why? Because I don't even want to have the perception that I want your money. This is 100% God's kingdom, and I ain't trying to ride on in no private jet off your money. I'm just not. I'm just not. What is the resources going towards? The Spread Love campaign. So you will have people that go, girl, you should put that money into your student loans. Don't put that in the church. You'll have people that say, bro, man, save some money for a house. And I'm not telling you to be unwise with your money. Like, hear me. Don't hear me say empty your bank account in the church unless the Lord leads you to that. I ain't going to stop you. But that's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm pushing to us is what does it look like to look at our resources and genuinely say, how can I give Jesus not just the leftovers, but give him my best? Because that's exactly what Mary gives in the text. And when she gives, it's almost like I said last week. Other people besides Jesus is blessed by this gift because the B part of verse number three says that the aroma, the smell of the perfume filled the house. Everybody got to smell this expensive perfume that she pulls out. And when you're generous, your generosity has a way of impacting the aroma of the gospel in Bed-Stuy. Your generosity has a way of, of, of pushing the aroma. You do know the Bible says that the gospel is the aroma. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The gospel is the aroma of life to some, but it's the stench of death to others. And so when you give, you got to understand it's almost like opening up an expensive bottle of nard and having everybody in Brooklyn smell what you gave. So we're asking you to we're asking you to think of creative ways that you can give so that other people. This thing is not about paint and plaster. This thing is about souls things about people that don't know Jesus Christ. I want to see every 2.6 million people, I want to see them at their knees worshiping the living God. And that can be done through your generosity. Okay, there's one more way I'm going to talk about about honoring Jesus. It's important to honor Jesus when the opportunity is at hand. Look at the text, verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, one of, the, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Verse 7, and Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Here's verse number 8. Watch the opportunity. For the poor you'll always have with you, but you do not always have me with you. In other words, Jesus is saying, 
there's always going to be other things for you to give your resources to. Like, he's not saying don't care for the poor. I mean, he's literally eating at the house of somebody who would have been ostracized by the commonwealth of Israel. Like, he's eating at a leper's house, a former leper's house. And so Jesus is not saying don't care for those that are ostracized. What he's saying is the opportunity for you to worship him through generosity is now. Like, like hear, hear me this morning when I got up, I, I prayed, I talked to Ty as she was doing her exercises. I said, listen, baby, I, can't, I have convictions. I genuinely do. I have convictions about standing before God's people and saying, can y'all give if I haven't partaken first? So I said, baby, we got to go on the app and we need to give now. That courageous gift that we were talking about, we prayed. We knew the amount because we prayed about it. And we looked at sacrificial ways to, to take away some things so that we can give this gift. And we did it this morning. I would not have given to this campaign if I didn't believe that the opportunity to serve Jesus through giving was now. Like, I wouldn't have asked you, listen, I promise you, I would not have asked you to fill out commitment cards if I didn't 100% believe that the opportunity to worship Jesus was now. You can always find something else to do with your money. Like there's daycares that you could give to that need your help. There's schools that need your financial help. There's, there's homeless shelters, right? The one on Bedford and, 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 uh, and Atlantic. Like think about, like there are so many other things you can do with your resources. But the opportunity to serve Jesus in giving is now. And so she looked, Jesus said, listen, there's always going to be, the poor is always going to be amongst you, amongst you. You'll always have opportunities to do that. But I'm here right now. And because I'm here right now, I'm asking that you would give towards that. Now, notice the gospel here. You know we got to do it. Jesus says in verse number seven, leave her alone because I need her to save the rest of it for my burial. Jesus knew that he had a limited amount of time left on this earth. What was he doing? What was he about to do? He's about to go to a cross and die. Listen, for Mary's sins. So Mary's now, like the ointment that she has, she's blessing Jesus with some of it. The rest of it she's going to use to prepare his body to go into the grave. Why does he have to go into a grave? Because he dies for our sins. Here's the gospel, that Jesus Christ, the sinless one, the Bible says that no deceit was even found in his mouth, goes to a cross, and it's the craziest trade. He takes on all of your sin, the sin you committed last night, the one you're going to commit today, and the one you're going to commit in the future, all of it was covered by Jesus Christ. And he goes to a cross and he absorbs it. He doesn't leave a lick for you. Like, remember, he stood in the garden. And he said, man, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not your will, but my will. Like, he didn't leave the cup half full for you to drink some of it. 100% of the wrath of God is absorbed in Jesus Christ. 100%. You, you know, back in the day, we, we used to do the cell phone bills. You know, I don't know if y'all do, still do this. I, I don't play games with this. But back in the day, I used to. I used to be like, man, I'm just going to pay enough just to keep the phone bill on. And, and I always got God. I always got that lady on my, my phone. You have now reached that. So I always got, it always got cut off. Why? Because I only paid a little bit. Jesus doesn't pay a little bit of your sins. He absorbs the full wrath of God on the cross. But here's what's crazy. He doesn't just absorb the wrath of God, basically absorbing your sin. He also gives you his righteousness. His, that dece no deceit was found in his mouth. That perfect life that Jesus lived was accredited to you. And you now get to stand before God like you lived like Jesus. And he stood on a cross as though he lived like you and he didn't. 
This is the gospel of Christ. And he's on his way. He's on his way. He says, man, save the rest of that perfume for when I go and die for your sins. And then bring that thing back and, and, and prepare my body. By the way, you shouldn't even have to do that because I'm, I'm getting up in three days anyway. Like I went to Israel. I went to the tomb. He ain't there. He just wasn't in there going, yo, it's good to see you, man. He was not there. And so what, what am I saying is this thing is trustworthy. You are giving to something that is sure. You are giving to a king that has full authority over all creation. That's what I'm giving to. So as we end this sermon series on this campaign uh, about spreading love, you have to understand that my, my heart and prayer is that you would not be motivated by gimmicks and tricks. I'm not telling you if you give that God's going to give you $1,000 back. That ain't, that's foolishness. I'm not telling, I'm not calling a line where you stand in line and you rubbing your money on somebody else's back going and the money's all over you. I'm just not doing that. I'm, I just went to a service that did this. I'm not even joking. We got, in, we got in the service and they said, take that money and they rub it on somebody else. I'm sitting there like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm not even joking. But listen, I'm not, I'm, not asking, I'm not asking you to give off of tricks and gimmicks. I want you to give because God gave to you. I want you to give because Christ gave to you. Not money, he gave his life. And that's what we're giving to. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. Father, we are moved by the gospel. We're, we're rocked by this idea that you would die for our sins. You didn't have to, but you did it because, as the scriptures say, that with the joy set before you, you endured the cross. You did it out of joy. Lord, may we give out of joy. May we look for ways to be sacrificial. Lord, we've been so comfortable, for honest. We got that promotion and we stacked up. Some of us don't even have a job, and yet we're looking for ways to figure out how we can be generous. Father, would you give all of us in this room generous hearts? Not generous because we think that you're going to give it back to us. You might, praise God. But Lord, even if you don't give it back to us in financial means, would you give it back to us in us seeing more disciples made? More people baptized because they profess faith in Jesus Christ. More people that are on the corner right now that don't know if they're hostile towards you. But yet they become followers of you. And I know you can do it. Last week we got to see how an entire city was rocked because of the generosity of a donkey owner. Father, whatever we have, may we bring it to you. Father, I, I do pray for some of us filled out those commitment cards based out of being comfortable. But I pray we feel convicted so that we can be generous towards you. Not towards anybody in this room. None of us are benefiting financially from this. Father, we want you. We want your kingdom to be expanded. So, Father, we, we submit this entire series to you. We submit our entire thinking about generosity to you. And believe by grace, through faith, that we'll grow spiritually because of how you've impacted us the last five weeks. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.